you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming here with the Nergate Podcast. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for coming by. It's another podcast from the Chris Foss Show. Who saw that one coming? And there'll be more. So don't tell anyone. Anyway, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in to see the wonderful video version of this. It's free for an unlimited time on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. You can go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Foss and you can see all the wonderful things we're reading and reviewing over there. You can also go to our multiple groups on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and all those different places and see what's going on over there with the show. We certainly appreciate it. Further show to your friends, neighbors, relatives. Get them involved. Get them listening to the show. Getting them addicted to all the wonderful, beautiful authors that we have on this show. She is the author of an amazing book that's going to be coming out in August 24th, 2021, Victoria Song. The book is entitled Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable. And this episode is brought to you by a sponsor, ifi-audio.com and their micro IDSD signature. It's a top of the range desktop transportable DAC and headphone app that will supercharge your headphones. It has two brown burr DAC chips in it and will decode high-res audio and MQA files. We're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind, to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise, distortion, and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DACs and audio enhancement devices at ifi-audio.com. And she is a leadership advisor to visionary founders, billionaire CEOs, and celebrities. She's going to be sharing her wonderful knowledge with us. She's a Forbes 30 under 30 investor and Yale and Harvard alumna. Victoria has helped her clients achieve multi-billion dollar exits Right Patents in 24 Hours, and more. She's the author of this new book, Bending Reality, that's coming out. It's designed to help readers like yourselves tap into their hidden potential so they can make the impossible probable by accessing extraordinary, seemingly supernatural abilities they didn't even know they had, and she's here to tell us about it. Welcome to the show, Victoria. How are you? Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. You have such a fabulous voice. I feel like I've heard my bio for the first time ever. <laughs> Listening to you say it. Thank you. It's it's the uh, Death Wish coffee with the double uh, caffeine in it that makes all the difference there. <laughs> <laughs> so give us your plugs where people can find you on the interwebs and find out more about you. Yeah. So my website is www.victoriasong.me. And that's spelled how you expect, S-O-N-G. And Twitter is Victoria E. Song. Instagram, similar, Victoria E. Song. And yeah, LinkedIn as well. And that's just Victoria Song. There you go. So what motivated you want to write this beautiful book? I wasn't set out to write a book. It came as a creative download. And I just 
wrote it in a week unexpectedly during the quarantine. And I think for me, I, the reason I wrote it was because I was seeing these extraordinary results with my clients and I work one-on-one mainly, and I wanted to create the work really accessible to a mainstream audience that maybe I'll never get the chance to work with. And so I just want to make it available. And as we talk about shortly, like I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and so much time and energy, probably all of my time and energy, uh, working with over 24 of the best coaches in the world, therapists, alternative healers. And I wanted to make everything that I've learned curated the top best available so you don't have to spend all that time, money, and energy learning what I figured out. That's definitely quite the savings then, quite the deal. So give us an for just the price of the book. <laughs> for just the price of the book. Uh, pre-order it today. Can you give us a, more of an arcing overview or some of the, uh, we'll get into some of the details of this beautiful book. Absolutely. So at the highest level, it, it teaches how to get to the optimal physical state and mental state required to what I call binge reality. And I think a lot of books out there focus on mindset. So you've probably heard about limiting beliefs and a lot of mindset work. However, that's really just one piece of the puzzle. I believe it really scratches the surface. I think it's only when we think it, feel it and do it. So having the mind, body and emotions really aligned and congruent, do we actually see the results that we want in our life? The book really breaks that down to help you get into the peak physical and emotional state required to bend reality. Oh, awesome. So what is bending reality? Is this kind of, I think Steve Jobs and a few other people, reality sort of... Uh, distortion field. Distortion field. Yeah, Tell it's related. Yeah, it's definitely related to that concept. So every one of us has a lens in reality, whether or not we're aware of it. Maybe you have an uncle who's constantly Googling what disease or cold he might have based on what he's Googling. That's a certain lens on reality. But like a fish can't see the water, we don't see the lens that we're in. And so the first piece of bending reality is starting to uncover what is creating your lens and then filtering through from there. So that's one piece of it. But ultimately, I think you're probably more familiar with terms like peak performance or what athletes call in the zone. When a basketball player is about to make a shot and the hoop appears bigger and time slows down, these are all states that I consider um, the state required to bend reality. So for some, they might get through like a meditative state of gnosis. Others might call it peak performance, but I really believe the things that we have access to when we can cultivate the state intentionally allows you to bend reality. There you go. So uh, are we really bending reality? Are we living in our own private Idaho? Or Because I've met some people and they believe in aliens and stuff, and they've definitely bent reality. Not, not just today, aliens. They think like everyone walking around is aliens. Everybody knows it's only half the people. It's not all the people that are aliens. It's a good question. Let me ask you, do you um, ever notice this effect of serendipity or synchronicity where it's like you're at the right place at the right time? Mm-hmm. So this is a, a state that I feel like we can actually cultivate. So if you think that's bending reality, then I would say, yes, that is an example that you actually are, in fact, influencing matter, influencing your physical world. So the states that I help my clients get into allow them to always feel like they are exactly at the right place at the right time. Time becomes an ally with things happening in no time at all. And so whether that's like missing a flight that leads to key introductions at the airport or that's getting the lab results, the scientist who created a more effective COVID vaccine or being able to write a patent in less than 24 hours. Like these are the kind of creative downloads that seem improbable, but my clients are able to cultivate the state to access that. Interesting. So how do you define these creative downloads? It's a good question. So 
First, the book is an example of a creative download. So when I mentioned that I didn't set out to write the book, but then I felt like I was transcribing it. Like when I started writing the book, it felt like I was taking notes on the book coming through. Um, So that's an experience. And then for some that I've heard this actually quite common with fiction writers where they get the story and it feels like a creative download. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that. And for my clients, it could be an innovative insight. I actually even teach a certain version of breath work that gets people to altered states of consciousness. And when they arrive there, they immediately journal out like their strategies and these bold actions to take. And so they are these pings that some might call are in your subconscious that you just don't have access to usually, but when you're able to remove that divider between the conscious and unconscious connections and new insights that you probably didn't have access to before. And so Steve Jobs talks about this as well, but yeah, there's been a lot of documentation across geniuses, creatives, musicians, visionaries who've been able to get these downloads. And I really believe we can cultivate it more intentionally. And it, so is this kind of, sometimes I, I think we all find and feel, and sometimes I feel in a state of kind of empowerment of flow, seems mm-hmm. like everything's hitting. Is that kind of a state that it is part of this? Absolutely. So you, that's like a side effect of being in this state. And so I guess the next question then is how do I live in this state? How do I operate from here all the time? And that's the thing that I help my clients with. Interesting. One of the aspects you talk about in the book is bending reality by mastering two states of being that most people aren't aware of. Do you want to share some of that data? Yes, that's a great question. First, I'll, I'll just ask you anecdotally. I want you to imagine feeling scared or feeling like you failed at something or just something like that. I want you to just imagine maybe an unpleasant experience that has happened in the last month. Mm-hmm. And as you're imagining it, I want you just to tell me, what do you notice sensations wise is going on for you? Disappointment, uh, a little bit of anger, Mm -hmm. uh, sadness. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And when you feel into that disappointment and the anger and sadness, what do you notice happens to your breathing and like physically in your body? Um. I'm not sure. I, I, I think I experienced a heightened sense of the breathing. I don't know. I don't really know. I'm not that in touch with myself, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's such a good point because this is exactly why I wrote the book. Because the truth mm-hmm. is most of us live in our head and we're That's not right. really connected to what is happening. Am I actually getting information and cues through my body right now? And you were starting to notice it in your breath, you said. So mm-hmm. this is a state of contraction. So you're probably able to tell me it's not a comfortable state to be in. No. Right? No, not yeah. yeah. So maybe you didn't have the exact words yet and we were getting there. You certainly were like, oh, this is, doesn't, it feels uncomfortable. Like I actually want to change the subject. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> you know, this is, yeah. So this is the first state called contraction that a lot of my clients, when they find me, they're living in. And then I noticed that their actions and their, their entrepreneurs who work nonstop, and then they feel like they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop or always working for the other problem to solve in this hypervigilant state is what a lot of people are constantly living in. And so this is a state that I help my clients become aware of and noticing what triggers them into this place because we habitually live from here when we're not yeah, fully aware of what triggers us there. So that's the first state. And um, the state that I try to, to cultivate and help people move to is expansion. So if I ask you, okay, now I want you to feel the opposite. I want you to imagine feeling powerful, abundant, alive, even grateful, anything that feels good. I, when I do my show, I feel really good when I do my show. I don't yeah. Know. You're in your element. Yeah. I'm in my element. This is my yeah. thing. 
Yeah. Exactly. So when you're in your element, what do you notice going on for you physically now compared to the first state? I feel empowered. I feel uh, like I'm in my state. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in my flow. I'm really comfortable in this position. I feel really positive. I feel I feel like I some humor, my breathing. I don't have that constriction. I, I feel like I have more flow maybe. I don't yeah. know how to describe it. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So this is the state that I call expansion. And we access it when we're in our zone of genius, which it sounds like you are doing this work right here. You access it when you're feeling on purpose. So you feel like a sense of mission. Maybe you're making an impact, a contribution in your way. And you feel it also when you love what you do. Mm-hmm. The sort of an athlete might love the game of the sport. Like you love what we're doing here. An engineer might love problem solving. And so essentially there's different ways to connect the dots to help um, people get to the state of expansion where they're driven by the things that they love versus driven by the fears or desire to prove something. Uh, and when you, as you imagine, when you're in the state of contraction, how much access do you have to inspiration or creativity or any of that? Not much because you're <laughs> just contracting. You're pretty much on your heels. Exactly. Yeah. And so this is the first framework that I talk through in the book and that I help my clients with that allows them to start seeing, oh, okay. So if I can get myself more into expansion, then that's when I'm in the state where I can access those new ideas and new creativity. And when you can cultivate the state and know how to get back into it, every time you're knocked out, that's when you start to be able to access these creative downloads, when you access this peak performance, or when you want to access this ability to bend reality. There you go. And then you talk about navigating change and facing the unknown, like a lot of great leaders. And I guess tell us some details about that. Yeah. So one of the things that is very common is that when we are in a state of contraction, you can think of it as like our nervous system is wound up. We're feeling that fight or flight state. What happens is it's very hard to sit in any uncertainty. So there is a desire to see things as black and white and create a false sense of certainty when there's none that exists. And I've seen this time and time again, especially during the pandemic, when there's so much unknown and there's so much uncertainty, people are so quick to create these black and white narratives of the world, this or that. And it gets very extreme. And we see this in politics. We see this everywhere, really. And you talk about some of your friends believing that everyone's aliens. I'm sure some people get very opinionated. And the more wound up your nervous system is, the more stubborn, the more um, stuck to your perspective and trying to prove that you're right the more ego threats feel like a threat to your physical safety and so much becomes on the line. And so what I've seen with the greatest leaders, and again, what I help my clients to do is how do we calm the nervous system and keep you in a state of expansion, even when there is unknown and uncertainty so that you can sit there in that discomfort long enough to see solutions that um, are out of reach for those who are trying to grab as fast as they can for certainty. That's pretty interesting. And it, being in those states where you can be creative and you can think, and when I'm in a flow state, it's just really nice. It's a beautiful place to be. It just feels really good. And I mm-hmm. think you talk about that as the zone of genius. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So there are contractive feels, which is like the desire to prove something that often a lot of us are living in. And then there is the expansive feels. And one of the first layer of expansive fuel is really this sense of mission and sense of purpose. Do you have a sense of what your mission statement might be? Or like, what do you feel is your um, impact? Eat more uh, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds like something you love to do. Yeah, I mean, clearly, look at me. 
<laughs> well, I, yeah, like when we love things and we do what we love, you do feel quite expanded. Am I right? Do you feel good? <laughs> I feel quite expanded, actually. My scale is also telling me that there's some expansion going on. So, so does my waistline. But to my mission in life, do you mean? Yeah, it sounds a mission. It could be with this work. It could be a mission in life. But what do you feel like your sense of mission might be? I would I would sum up some of it as like, uh, hopefully leave the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Uh, set a good example, lead in the world. I'm a big fan of Bobby Kennedy's thing about sending forth ripples of hope and being an agent of change and improving the world and making a difference and mm. stuff. So that would probably be fitting into my mission, that and pizza. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And when you feel connected to that, why, how do you feel? It motivates me. I don't yeah. have, I don't have children. So the world is my child and, and I feel, okay, let's do some con- contributions and make it a better place. And Absolutely. then hopefully when I leave, they, they won't uh, put me in a rest home and <laughs> forget about me and take my house or something. I so. hear that it, it actually is, it comes from your heart. Like I felt given like the energy, everything just changed when you said that there was like this kind of lighter spirit and yeah, it kind of just felt like time wasn't even a thing anymore when you were speaking those words. And so that's the first layer. And that I believe is why so many of us are really wanting to find our purpose. That's probably one of the most asked questions when you start this work in self-development is like, what is my purpose? Mm. And I think it's because that's the first level of fuel that is actually sustainable. And unlike the need to prove something, which can be a toxic fuel, as you're probably aware of that not only poisons yourself, but also poisons the environment Mm. when that's what you're driven by fear being driven by your mission is the first layer that's actually this healthy, sustainable, expansive fuel. And then that's also connected to why a lot of people are interested in uncovering their values. So you may have heard that if you've done any coaching work before, but one of the key steps that every coach, whether you're a business or a life coach learns is what are your values? What's your internal compass? And we teach our clients to make value-based decision-making. So rather than get hung up in what's the right or wrong answer, what's good or bad, I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision. We look at our key values and we say, okay, which decision would actually honor my top three values? And we use that framework. We're living in alignment and congruence with who we are. Mm-hmm. And again, when we... Uh-huh. I know what mine is, ordering pizza. I'd love you to tell me what is the meta value you think behind enjoying pizza? Uh, I'm not sure. There's a, it makes your belly feel good. It tastes really good. There's a state that you go into. We talked about yeah. a little bit. I've clearly enjoyed too much. Food <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just being yeah. funny, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Food is good. A lot of people use it to get into a certain state of feeling good, which I, I'm not sure is always the healthy thing for them. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. So I believe that when we don't know how to get our physical states from inside out into these states, we do look externally for things to get us there. So for some of us, that might be drugs, for others, that might be alcohol, for others, that might be specific kinds of food. But I think that anything we reach to, to create a state from externally, hoping that, oh, if we reach that outcome, if we get that success, if we hit that goal, then I'll feel good. That's when it's a slippery slope and we can develop unhealthy relationships Mm. with food and everything. So I, this is why I think when I wrote this book, it's so important to me to give people the tools to cultivate the state from the inside out. Probably then a good thing to do, like you say, is to take and learn to create that state without having to uh, maybe eat stuff that might be bad for you sometimes. Some in moderation, but 
you know. Absolutely. Moderation is so key. I think if you're going to enjoy the food, don't like beat yourself up about it after. So yeah. that's the thing. I know plenty of people who like, they say, I want to do this. And then when they do have their little cheat day or they, whatever, eat ice cream, pizza, then they just feel bad about it after. And I was like, that's the part to clean up. Cause if you're going to enjoy it and then choose differently in the future, but the eating it and then beating yourself up about it, very counterproductive. <laughs> There you go. That usually does happen with Taco Bell, but that's because it's Taco <laughs> Bell. Uh, wait, I just got word we lost the Taco Bell sponsor. The So this has been really interesting to talk about. You uh, talk about some different things where making your own luck and a recipe for that. Uh, give us some insight to that, if you would. Absolutely. So I one of the things I often hear is, gosh, I don't know why that person, they're not any more deserving than I am. They're not smarter than I am. They're not more resourced than I am. Whatever it is, they compare themselves and they say like, why is that person so lucky? And I really believe, again, like coming back to the state of expansion, so key is that if we can connect to the fun that we're having going after the thing that we want, if we can connect to even the mission and the purpose that we feel going after it, if we can connect to the love of what we're doing, then you already have all the ingredients to be in that flow state that we talked about. When you said that everything just lights up, like it's easy, mm-hmm. that to some people appears lucky. And so you might have been called by your friends, like, lucky, right? Oh, it seems to work out for you. Like you go after the thing and it always seems to work out for you. And I truly believe that's the difference when we come from a place of expansion versus contraction for those who are very, they're spinning in their head and they have all these visions, but they can't um, take the actions because they're always hypothetically dreaming up the worst case scenario, or maybe even paralyzed by too much data or just whatever it is that keeps them from taking action, fear. Those people will always look over at the other ones who are going after it, having fun going after it, believing in themselves, and they'll say, God, it's so unfair. They're so lucky. And so that is one of the pieces that I really believe allows you to make your own luck is I ask people, well, what's a 10 for you? And let me ask you that. What do you feel like at 10, you feel good? I feel so expanded. I feel so good when I'm doing X. Usually on my podcast. And usually yeah. trying to be the best host that I possibly can, ask the best questions I can, and tell the most jokes I can, and try and just deliver on putting together uh, what we call Give Good Podcast. And and usually if I do that right at the end, when I get off the the I when I get off the there and I'm done with the guests, I go, I think that was from beginning to end. Boom, package, good show. Carson, you would be like, oh, that was a good show, and uh, hopefully you hit that out of the park every time. And I've seen that you have a very successful podcast. I, I think what you just shared with me, like give good, there's a sense of value and connection to a sense of purpose there. It sounds like you love doing it. It sounds like it's fun for you. Like yeah. I can feel you're being playful. And that's the other thing. And was when we're in the state of expansion, we're spontaneous, we're playful. We connect to our inner children in a way. It's like your inner child can come out and play. And those are all things that as adults, we've learned to disconnect with a lot of the adults who I see are the ones saying, oh, it's unfair. They're so lucky. And then meanwhile, they're struggling. It's often because they've learned to suppress the part of them that wants to have fun or wants to enjoy their life or give them themselves permission to do what feels fun. It almost feels irresponsible or uh, childish or frivolous to do what's fun for you. But I truly believe that one of the reasons you've been so successful is because this is actually you at play. Yeah. And I find people interesting. At my age, I'm sick of me. I've spent my whole <laughs> life with me and I'm done with me. And most of my audience is probably done with me too at this point. It's seven or plus episodes. But I'm generally interested in people because I, for me, life is a very interesting thing. And we make choices. We go down different roads. We go through this wilderness of mirrors and we go, oh, left. Dude. And then we go different down. There's no 
like one right way to go through life. Maybe happy would be the one way to go through, but that's impossible because there are different paths, different ways to create yeah. happiness for different people. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be unhappy because things are going to happen in your life, but that's what increases its intrinsic value. If it wasn't fragile and if it wasn't, if it wasn't difficult, sometimes you'd probably just be like, this is easy. Yeah, who cares? You'd uh, be bored. Happens. Yeah. You'd be bored too. But to me, it's interesting on the journeys people take, why they make the choices they do, how they do and how they come out and and what they're thinking about that. And I'm genuinely interested in people. I think Larry King, a long time ago, he said something about how when he likes to go on planes, he talks to people. He's really interested in people. And so I either really like people or I'm really sick of me and I'm just <laughs> trying to talk to somebody else for a change. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. I also hear that there is a meta value there. There is a value behind like the complexity of maybe the psyche or human nature. There's something that you're really fascinated by. Yeah. And I think if you have a genuine interest in people, that comes out and makes a difference. And uh, hopefully it comes out on the show and stuff. It does. Absolutely. I already appreciate your great questions. <laughs> and, um, and I really enjoy your humor too. And to me, it just, it makes me at ease and I can just tell how much you love this. And it yeah. makes me excited to be part of something that you enjoy doing so much. Anything more we want to touch on the book? And I think I'd like to ask some questions about you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's see. Other than that, I'd love to encourage people to pre-order it. I'm offering all sorts of free techniques. Again, like the very best techniques that I've ever learned to help people move away from contraction and more into expansion. I'm offering a lot of these uh, for pre-ordering the book now. So encouraging everyone to just go to, it's uh, again, www.victoriasong.me and then it's forward slash bending hyphen reality. There you go. I noticed you were on the Forbes 30 under 30, I think it was. What was your journey through going through, if you want to give us maybe a kind of summation or a life journey, what brought you into this industry and, and brought you to this point of writing this book? Yeah. So I entered venture capital quite early. Like at, I was 23 years old when I became an investor and no one ever really grows up thinking, I want to be a venture capitalist when I grow up. So I kind of <laughs> go into it. It's really random. I was actually at the time, my first job out of college was I wrote case studies for Harvard Business School, if you're familiar with their curriculum. It's also where I attended grad school. And I went in writing case studies. And then one of the faculty members had just written a book called like Mastering the VC Game. And I was like, what's that? So I read the book and was so fascinated by this idea of supporting entrepreneurship and startups. And this was in um, 2010. So it was like just such an exciting time. Like yeah. The startup world was just exploding. And so I went to one of the luncheons with this faculty member and Luckily, made a good enough impression that he, at Jeff Buskings' name, he kindly asked me to come talk to the firm and then they hired me. It's a very unexpected path into it. And I loved it so much of speaking about loving people. I love entrepreneurs and I love helping people and I love that people part of the business. So unlike maybe later stage investing where it's about the numbers and there's more, it's a little less impersonal, it's more transactional when you get to the later stage financing mm -hmm. rounds. At the seed stage, it's typically just... Um, a couple entrepreneurs with a pitch deck and an idea. And so you're really just like connecting with the person, their vision for the world that they see. And that was really exciting for me. So I was fortunately um, able to make some great investments to start. So one of my first investments, I, we put in about a million dollars and we returned over $40 million wow. um, from that investment. And uh, that was like my first deal there. And I, I loved it. And I felt that I was in my zone of genius. However, it did miss like the mission statement for me. So as much fun as I was having, and I, I ended up doing it for a few years. So I only left in about, so I did that for about six years. I only left in 2016. And when I realized that what was coming online for me was what's my sense of mission, it was a little bit of a spiritual 
awakening. I don't know if you have guests talk about like spiritual breakdowns or, you know, a little bit of a, yeah, just like an awakening of what else I'm really fortunate that at a young age, I've tasted a couple of these things, but there must be more to like making a difference in the world than where I was currently sitting. And that was when I found um, my way into coaching and being a leadership advisor. So a lot of my clients are still the same. I primarily work with tech founders, so I'm still able to help really deeply. And honestly, the things that I'm helping with are so much more meaningful to me. And I truly believe to the company and to the founder than just looking at their business model and the insights they're sharing with me, the transparency and honesty of which they're telling me information is like a hundred times the information they would have ever told me as a board member. Oh, you know? Yeah. So I really believe that like I'm able to support so much more deeply from my zone of genius in such a more um, purposeful way for me from this capacity as a leadership advisor than I ever was as an investor. And that's beautiful. You found more fulfillment. Yeah, I have. So you found your zone too. There you I go. did. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, entrepreneurs, it's a tough business to be in you're, because you're 24 seven. Everything is a you. It comes down to the entrepreneur. I started my first company. I was 18. I've owned like what, 20 different corporations. It's a hard business. It's fun though. For me, I was always like, I just love being the CEO, being the guy that, that has to come up with most everything or just having that responsibility. You don't have that thing where you're like, does the buck stop here or is there a guy? Oh, crap. Do I ask about this? Am I doing yeah. a good job? <laughs> yeah. Am I doing a good job? Is there anybody? The, Can I get a grade for this? <laughs> me? Do I get a participation award? The I, But I loved it. I loved the innovating and, and I loved the challenge and, and trying to solve problems and different things. And then, but it's a tough place to be as an entrepreneur. There's a lot of depression you deal with. I had pretty strong, what they call the CEO disease, ADD back in the day. Fortunately, it's calmed down a little bit, but 24 seven. Exactly. You live it. People just don't understand how nice it is to just work nine to five. And then you're just like, I'm not going to think about that at five mm -hmm. oh five. When you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're just like, gone. I, I used to dream about, I, I it got so bad for me with the companies we owned. I used, I would dream about what I was going to do the next day. Some people are having dreams about sunsets and I don't know, <laughs> running through fields or something. I'm like, I would dream about who is going to fire the next day and firing them and just all the business stuff. And so it's really hard. So I think it's cool that you're doing these things for entrepreneurs in the tech space and helping them kind of work on all their stuff because there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley there, there's a lot of pressure for what they're under and what they're trying to do. Cause many times they're trying to change the world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And all the tools we just talked about, like they work for everyone and the amount of stress and anxiety for entrepreneurs specifically is it's so overwhelming. So they really need the tools. Definitely. I'm glad you found a, a place that uh, works good for you and, and all that stuff. And now you're sharing it with so many people and helping change the world from that aspect and getting people in the States that they need to be in. Mm, thank you. And helping me probably order pizza after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and think about it. Like, oh, what about it is me reaching for pizza right now? Am I trying to create a new state change? Maybe I'll just put a piece of pizza like off to the side of every podcast. <laughs> It'll be like there. Just I'll put it in like a glass thing where it's steaming and I can't really get to it. But uh, since I lost the Taco Bell sponsor, I'll just see if we can pick up the Domino sponsor. Uh, Victoria, it's been wonderful to have you on the show and spend some time with us. Give us your plugs for people in order up your book. Thank you, Chris. It's www.victoriasong.me, um, and then it's forward slash bending hyphen reality. 
There you go. And guys, order up the book. You can pre-order it, actually. August 24th, 2021, it will be out, but you can order it. It's up on Amazon and uh, retailers uh, nearby you. Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable. That's always the way to go by Victoria Song. Thank you, Victoria, for being with us. We certainly appreciate spending time with us today. Thank you, Chris. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. You can see us over there. Also, all the groups on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, the places. Just put in the uh, Google machine, the Chris Foss Show, and you'll find them. Thanks, to everyone, for tuning in. Be safe, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>